It's good to be with you here today. I live in California, so I thought I woke up to winter today. <laughs> but we live about two hours, thank God, from the fires. And it's a sobering thought, because I've worked in that one particular city, a thousand homes wiped out overnight. And yet God's using it because the body of Christ is starting to come together in an unprecedented way to meet the needs of others. So let's believe, God, we can touch the throne here today, and uh, I'll get anointed up here, and I won't be cold. It's 96 at my home, so a bit of a temperature change, praise the Lord. Uh, I've been coming here since 91, maybe even 90, I'd have to figure that out, but we were young then, I'll tell you that later. So Father, we come into the presence of God, we need Jesus. We want Jesus. We don't have any uh, substitute, Lord. And we call upon the grace of God to come here today. Let God arise and His enemies be scattered. Let the manifest presence of Jesus fill here. God, every religious spirit in this state that opposes what we're doing, we decree Jesus is Lord against you. We ask for the manifest presence of Jesus to saturate every household. And those who aren't present, visit them as well, Lord. We call upon great grace. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The name above every name. The name above Vermont. The name above witchcraft. The name above religious spirits. The name above division. The name above family's trouble. We call upon the name of Jesus. Every religious devil be silent. Every oppressive spirit be broken. Let God's kingdom come in unprecedented power. I need your help, Lord, so I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. All right. You may be seated. You know, before I moved to California, those people out there seemed weird. Now that I got acclimated, that's normal, and I come back here, you seem weird. But maybe we're just all weird, Alan. I just had the privilege of ordaining an a, a, a African-American husband and wife team in, in Pennsylvania. And so I was preaching well, and I told them how I love greens and keep the whites out of the kitchen. They love that. But a dear woman fixed me some good greens. Hallelujah. So you, you never know when you, when you say a certain thing what will happen quickly. But I appreciate that. But I want us to look into a theme God has given me recently. And I want us to, more than just a theme, it's, it's a word that I'd never heard preached. Preached now 46 years. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, get one. I don't want anybody looking at me. Look at the Word of God today, please. If you don't know how to read, go to school here. If you're illiterate, at least learn to hear from Jesus. See, I have a friend, she's now in heaven, but she was totally illiterate, never went to school a day of her life, could not read, could not write, but started hundreds of churches before she was murdered. She learned the Bible by listening to it on uh, solar-powered uh, CD uh, apparatuses in the middle of Cambodia. Never had read in her life, but memorized large portions of the Word of God. And had every miracle of the book of Acts. So God's not limited 
by how much we know the Bible, but by how much we live the Bible. Hallelujah. So I want to share something that I'd never heard preached, probably because uh, it's too convicting. But I want to talk about weakness today in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, a little of my background, my family originally came from Germany and from Ireland and part of it from England, but mostly German-Irish. And we moved from Connecticut to Pennsylvania. And then, I don't know how this happened, uh, my, my great-grandfather moved to Mississippi during the Great Flood in the 30s. And then my, my father went to Georgia Tech after the war. He was a scientist in the Pentagon during the war. He, he, he met a woman, a German immigrant in Huntington, West Virginia, by the name of my mother. And then they worked there, and then he got transferred overseas. I say this because I didn't know it, but God was preparing me before I knew him. And so I had an international upbringing, multicultural upbringing, multi-ethnic upbringing, and uh, uh, by the time I was 40, I was speaking four languages. And uh, a lot of the things I was saying I had to repent of when I got saved. But anyhow, uh, God trained me. And I, I want to say this. Our experience in God doesn't start once we come to him. It started in the womb, Paul said. So God was at, working pre, at work prenatal. Are you glad for that? And, you know, we don't find God. God finds us. It's a word called grace. But once he finds us, he wants us to get dependent upon him. And I want to show you a man who was very dependent upon God. His name was Paul. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said this, When I came unto you, I didn't come with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I am determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith wouldn't stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul said, when I came, I was in weakness. Now, so contrary to the world system, you know, some people say, well, what does the Greek say? I have enough trouble with the English. I was... And, you know, there's Greek experts that fight each other because their theological basis is not the same. And with any language, you can twist words to agree with what you want to say. And Cantonese, in one of the Chinese languages, one word means seven different things depending how you enunciate it. A guy, very a fluent guy in, in Cantonese and American uh, apostolic ministry was there. And he, he said something out in Cantonese. Everybody started to laugh. He said, what did I do? It was a church service. He was trying to tell them, let's praise the Lord. But he rather, because he enunciated a little different, said, let's kill each other. So the way you pronounce things matters and the way language, but I, I want to tell you, regardless how you want to hack this, weakness means weakness. Paul said he came among them with weakness, but oh, how the power of God showed up. Now, we're going to examine this because it's not weak as the world calls weak. Neither is it weak like some people remain cast sheep. They're always falling on their back. They've got to be picked up. They never can be trusted in the flock to be stable. That's not what God's talking about here. But Paul said he came among them in weakness. Now notice who was talking here. Here was a guy that God raised up, former Pharisee, 
uh, highly intellectual, uh, very well educated, everything I'm not. Uh, God chose him and broke him and made him into the man that would lay the foundation that we're still blessed because of. And Paul said, when I showed up, I was in weakness. You want to look at this. When Paul first had his encounter with Christ, Acts chapter 9, he was on the, uh, the Damascus road, headed to Damascus. He just messed up the church in Jerusalem. And when he, he, because he did so well there, the enemy had him go head on into Damascus to arrest men or women and to tie them up and bring them back to Jerusalem. But there was just one problem. He had a head-on collision on that road with the Lord Jesus. Everything changed. I said everything changed. And may, may I say, if, if everything doesn't change, I question people's experiences. I told Lonnie and Kathy I was someplace in Washington State, and it was just total foolishness. And I was talking to an apostle from Argentina, and he said, we, all these people claiming angels every day showing up, and he said, we had one angel appear in my father's Bible school in the 1950s, and it changed our nation forever. Millions came to Christ. I want the legitimate. I am not uh, skeptical. I'm just careful because the Bible says, try the spirits. Don't accept everything that's from God. Prove all things. Hold fast is good. But at the same time, don't despise prophesying. So we need discernment. But here was Paul on that Damascus road heading for dis to destroy and God turned everything around. He had a head-end collision with Jesus. But it's a powerful thing. When he saw the Lord in that vision, the scripture said, when I couldn't see for the glory of that night, a light, Paul was blinded by the glory of God. May I say this? Christianity is, is not intellectual primarily. It's spiritual. And the Bible can only be stood, understood, that is, by the Spirit because it was written by the Holy Spirit. So highly intellectual academics try to study the Bible and make foolishness out of it because they're coming from a wrong perspective. Not that you throw your mind away by any means, but your mind needs to be renewed because the carnal man, mind is against God. And, and so here was Paul having that blinding uh, experience, having seen Christ himself. <laughs> the Bible says he got up off the ground and he needed someone to hold him by the hand to take him into Damascus. He became weak. That guy who was so strong, that guy who was so strong-willed, that guy who was so full of darkness, so full of religion, all of a sudden, that strong man was made weak. And the secret of Paul's long-term ministry that was so effective, chosen by God to write the scriptures, so many of them, is that he stayed Weak in himself, but strong in God. You know this couple, their family, they had everything. They were wealthy. They'd, he'd been in the military. He'd been a lawyer. Everything. And then his wife was hit with a stroke. They said she won't make it through the night. I'm driving my wife to the airport to get down there before her mother dies. And all of a sudden, the word of the Lord came to me. She will not die. She's going to live three years and it will be used to reach her father. Here was a man so strong in himself, so qualified in himself, so intelligent, multi-languages, travel all over the world, wealth and everything, in a moment's notice, 
that strength evaporates. And I'm not talking of, uh, here today when we're comparing this by human terms because human weakness is no good. Hear me. Human strength is not much better because both will bring you to a place of limitation. But we're going to talk about a weakness that makes you strong and a weakness that brings you into God and a weakness that brings the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, our experience, uh, lineage, I don't know too much about the religious background until after I got saved there was an intercessor in our lineage praying for some things. Thank God for intercessors. But uh, settling in Mississippi, uh, my grandmother was Southern Baptist and very legalistic, if you know that. So uh, uh, my father turned from all that because he hated that legalism and that fear-based stuff. And I can understand that. But um, when I was very small, we, we were going to a Baptist church, and they were always preaching about hell. And since we were going there, we decided we didn't want to hear that every week. So they became Episcopalians. They didn't preach anything. So uh, we were going there. And then when we moved to Europe, we were nothing. But in essence, we really were nothing. You know? And God was going to work in what looked like an impossible situation. So... You may know weakness in your lineage today. You may know impossibilities in your lineage today, in marriage today, in kids today. May I say this? Weakness is meant to be a platform in which the power of the Holy Spirit manifests itself. Paul said, I showed up weak, but the power of God came. And your faith isn't in me. Your faith is in what God did. So this is so vital because if I was God, I wouldn't do it this way. But since I'm not God, you can be comfortable. God has chosen uh, some powerful things. If you look back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. You see your calling, brethren, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Notice this. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. See, religious spirits in denominational and non-denominational churches promote flesh. But if you look in verse 29, it says, God does this so that no flesh would glory in his presence. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. God has chosen the weak thing. You see, we disqualify, God qualifies. We say no way, God says watch my way. We say they have a background, God said who doesn't. Just like the fools in our media want to bring up the sins of leaders, but hey, watch they get caught. God chooses people that we think he shouldn't. I guess that's kind of church history. And God can work through sinful people. Imagine that. If you have any problems with that, look in the mirror. But uh, God's chosen the weak thing. I said God's chosen the weak thing. God's chosen the weak thing. So if you see yourself that, you're at a good place. But don't stay weak. It says, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, verse 30, who is made unto his wisdom. Righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. In other words, everything you don't have can be entered into in Christ. I was talking to a couple. They were Germans. He, and it was in Cleveland, Ohio, the German immigrants. They were talking about how if someone was divorced or if they had bad kids, they couldn't counsel them, meaning they wouldn't receive their counsel. Hear me. Where does that come from? Human pride. I said human pride. I know a couple in, where is it, Pennsylvania. He's in with the Lord now. 
It was their third marriage, and they were one of the better marriage counselors I ever listened to. They finally got it right. Not that God wanted them to go that way, but God's chosen the weak thing. Also, there's not many that are noble and wise. There's a few, but the majority, God chooses weak person, people. That's why when someone falls, I'm not surprised. They just didn't lay a hold of grace. Paul said, I was with you in weakness. The reason that's not preached, probably because it's not lived too much. And the absence of the demonstration of the Spirit is not there. For example, we had a guy with us from California once in Cambodia where we're part of a revival movement there. And he said, you've changed my theology. I said, why? He said, we've been binding spirits for 10 years with no results in our city. It's a big church. He said, but you guys pray for something in the morning and it happens by the afternoon. I said, oh, yeah, because we're not in war games. We're in warfare. There's a big difference. And my son called up two blind guys right in front of thousands of people with a with a Cambodian apostle, and they prayed for him, and before those thousands of people, blind eyes opened. See, that's a demonstration of the Spirit. See, Christianity without miracles is not the Christianity of the Bible. But how weak we are facing impossibilities, that means God's power's got to show up, and God's grace has got to come. And I want us to look at a scripture to go along with this. Hebrews chapter 11 it talks of the great people of faith, Gideon and Barak and Samson, Jetheth and David and Samuel and of the prophets, Hebrews 11, verse 32, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, verse 34, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, notice this, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong. Out of weakness were made strong. See, the reason some believers don't get anywhere today because they're biblically illiterate. They don't know what's in the Scripture. And we're without excuse in North America. My God, we need revelation. But the stupidity in the body of Christ for lack of biblical knowledge, any new wind of doctrine comes by, they jump on it. And we've got to wipe out biblical illiteracy and we've got to become strong in the Word of God, because that's where we go from weak to strong. That's when you get the Word of the Lord. What looked like your end is a new beginning. Out of weakness, we're made strong. So I don't like it when I face weakness. I don't like it, but God never asked me about that. I was once in Eastern Europe, sick as a dog. I was passing blood and I couldn't get out of bed. I was white as a sheet. And I know those hospitals, this was a long time ago, it was in the 90s in Romania, using one needle for a whole room or for a whole ward. And I said, there's no way. I'm go I'll die in bed before I go in one of those hospitals. And I'm fighting to try to break through and get health. And it wasn't working. And I said, Lord, what can I do? And I heard his voice. He said, go to the hospital and pray for people. I say, what? I can hardly get out of bed and I'm sick. But when you get desperate, much of the time you'll obey. So I went to what you'd call a hospital. I wouldn't put my dog in there. But anyhow, went there, and I, uh, it was several floors up, and I was so weak I couldn't get up. So I held on to the banister and step by step got up there. And here were some people outside the rooms in wheelchairs, and I started to talk to one. He spoke some English. His wife was there. She spoke some English. And I told them about the Lord, and, and they said, we've we got to do something, but we'll be right back in the room. 
So I waited, then went in the room. Here was three women in the room, and through, I didn't speak any Romanian then. My daughter-in-law is Romanian now, so I'd speak. But anyhow, here are all these people, and, and the woman I wanted to pray for was a doctor. She was full of cancer. I told her, I, I'm not here to represent religion. I can't stand religion. She said, I hate it too. But I told her about Jesus, laid hands on her. The power of God fell. I came back a few days later. I said, where is she? They said she got out of bed after you prayed for her and walked home. See, I was sick. I was weak. But out of weakness made strong. And that's the thing. When you are taken out of yourself into God, when you step out of your limitations, because God says, you're limited, now step into me. You can't now step into I can do all things through Christ. You have failed now step into the infallible one. You have, you have sinned now step into the sinless one. You're up against stuff you will never win against, but my name is above every name. And we've got to thank God out of weakness. We're made, now I want to tell you this. If you don't understand it, God is in process of taking this nation back. And when you look at what we're facing, it looks... Very, very insurmountable. Uh, finance, education, media go down the line. But hallelujah, I know this principle. Out of weakness, we're going to be made strong. Let's go to a life in the Bible. We, got, and we want to look at that today. I want to look at David. First Samuel 17. We'll look at verse 16. Here was David, 1 Samuel 16, here was David, a, a young man that God called. Now I want to tell you this. I don't care how weak you seem, how disqualified you feel you are, if God's hand is on your life, and hear me, he has called individuals, but he's also called the church corporately. You don't have an individual call. That's why you need to be a part of a local church because God will give a corporate call. So here is David, and things are going on he didn't even know was going to happen. That's real, when you really know it's God. He didn't look to be anointed to be king. God looked for a man after his own heart. God looked. God looked. And it's amazing who God will select and who God will reject. And in 1 Samuel 16, you know, uh, this is followed through in the New Covenant too because God said, I founded Jesse, I founded David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Very special relationship, 1 Samuel 16. And uh, now 1 Samuel 16, 1, Samuel was told the prophet to go fill his horn with oil and I'll send you to Jesse in Bethlehem for I have provided me a king among his sons. Now, this is a powerful thing because the Lord over in New Hampshire had me live this, to anoint someone to be king when someone was still king. We call it rebellion, but God said it's kind of undercover for me. Hallelujah. And uh, you see, though Saul had an anointing, it, it, it was only in name only. His hand, God's hand had lifted off Saul. But Saul was still king, and God told... Uh, uh, Samuel to do something that seemingly was rebellion, but it wasn't rebellion. It was obedience to a higher power and a higher purpose. So uh, that's r really incredible. And hear, hear me, if God lifts his hand off, someone, off someone's life, I don't care what position they have, really their day is over. And so Saul's day was over, 
But God was going to use Saul to train someone. We'll see about that in a minute. But God sent David there. Excuse me. God sent Samuel there. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, the Lord said to Samuel, after he'd said, this one's the Lord's anointing, that one's the Lord's anointing, the Lord said, don't look on his countenance or the height of his stature because I've refused him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then, then uh, all these sons of Jesse went, seven of them went before Samuel, and, and Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord hadn't chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all your children? And he said, there, behold there, verse 11, the, the youngest, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said unto him, send and fetch him. And when he came, verse 31, the Lord, the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is him. This is a thing. David wasn't the oldest, and that was going against all of Middle Eastern culture. David wasn't the best looking. He was just a little kid. But God rejected all the seven brothers and chose David because David had a heart after God when he was in the middle of nowhere with sheep. And that wasn't a high profession, by the way, something that no one else would be willing to he built a relationship with God. And Paul, when, when he was put in the desert for years too, built a relationship with God that no one saw but God himself. And though there was the weakness of age and there was the weakness of the outward appearance of man and the weakness of experience, yet God saw beyond the weakness because here was a young man after the things of the Spirit of God that no one knew but God himself. He had a heart after God. Now hear me. We make a lot out of outward sin, and we should have standards. Don't get me wrong. But I want to say the real problem is, is a lack of a heart relationship with God because out of that is birthed every other thing of hell. If someone's heart is after God, God will clean them up. If their heart isn't after God, even if they clean up, they're a Pharisee. So here is David, disqualified by man, but chosen by God. Not even there when the prophet came, but hear me. He, though he wasn't there, God was going to bring him there. So there is a thing of divine appointments. I said there is a thing of divine appointments. There is the thing that God's going to change everything in our time of need. Because what happened here? was God reaching into a lineage and raising up someone whose family line Christ would come through. Uh, and, and really, Israel's first king, because uh, Saul was man's choice, here was God's choice. But the weakness that he stood against. Now, we, we go on, and in 1 Samuel chapter 17, it was a time of war. And may I say this? In times of war, we find out what people are made of. And Israel was in a bad place because they had a leader that no longer was a warrior. He had become a compromised leader and a man-pleasing leader and a leader that progressively would corrupt. But here was David. He, he was too young to go to battle yet, but he came 
on an errand to bring food to his brethren. This thing, we can see this with Joseph, we can see this with David. They served well. And leaders that don't serve well will unfortunately often become vessels of hell when they get into a place that they're not prepared for. David served well, and uh, the Bible shows us here in 1 Samuel 17 that he came and heard what Goliath was saying uh, against the people of God. Give me a champion, and whoever wins will, will win the whole thing. And Saul and all of Israel were afraid, it says in 1 Samuel 17, verse 11. Not just afraid, they were greatly afraid. And then David showed up. Now, let me say this. David was going to be against a professional. David was going to be against a guy whose life was in war. David was going to face his first battle and had no experience in that realm. So that's weakness. So the question is, with any life, are you carrying anointing that, that doesn't listen to all those challenges and allows them to be fatal because wrong race, no education, wrong gender, go, go along with this, uh, uh, had a divorce, had multiple divorces, grew up dysfunctional. You know, there will be things that the enemy will flow, throw in your face to try to make you back down when God wants to give you an unprecedented breakthrough. Here's the weakness of a whole army refused to battle this guy, and here comes a kid who's still a teenager just bringing some cheese, and then he heard what was going on and he dared open his mouth. And, and um, uh, they, they accused him of pride. And, uh, when, and, and uh, verse 38, his eldest brother told him uh, he was prideful and, and uh, wicked in his heart and he just came down that you could see the Bible. And David said, isn't there a cause? And then when Saul heard about it, uh, he sent for David, and look in verse 33. And we're talking about weakness. Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're but a young kid, a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. Now, weakness. When you get negative opinions standing against you, against a church, against your life, but hear me, if God has anointed you and God has appointed you, corporately or individually, these negative opinions cannot be listened to. I had a friend, he was sent to Cambodia supernaturally with his wife. They were so broke, the only building they could rent was a former brothel. So God started to move, and all of a sudden these naked kids started showing up in church, starving street kids. And so they had to take care of them, but they didn't have any money. money. And uh, he, he, he started an orphanage, and... He wrote the group he came from in America, and they said, we don't do Christian orphanages. And you know what he said? I know, but God does. And they almost removed him from the field because they had traditions and strategies that didn't and wouldn't work in that country. Now, 20 years later, when they have a million converts in 6,000 churches, paid not to listen to the negative opinions of well-meaning but people that aren't really hearing from God. 
You're not able. You're not able. Now hear me. If God's in it, you're able. Because your weakness ends, His strength begins. If God's in it, He's going before you. Your weakness against the impossibilities ends. If God's in it, now hear me. You've got to know God's in it. And, and David, is, uh, when Saul told him this, David said to Saul, your servant kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and it took a lamb out of his mouth and I went after him and he slew both, verse 36, the lion and the bear. In other words, David, though he hadn't been involved in this type of warfare, he was faithful in the warfare that he faced to get him there. See, some people, here's, here's where the error comes. Some people are talking about territorial spirits and they're not willing to deal with their issue. Generational pride, generational lust. You go down the line, fears. And we've got to kill our own lion and bear before we can go against giants. So it's a tremendous principle in here. Churches that want to go against giants have to first deal with the lions and the bears in their midst and protect the lambs. David said, verse 37, The Lord delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He'll deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And then we see here, when you faced impossibilities and you were weak and you couldn't win, but God came through and you won, the next series of weaknesses you face, you know out of God's past faithfulness, hear me, he'll do it again. He'll do it again. I said he'll do it again. Out of weakness you'll be made strong. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. Then Saul armed David with his army, armor. And verse 30, 39, David put, put his sword on the armor and he tried to go, but, but he hadn't proved it. And David said to Saul, I can't go with these. And he put them off. Now, may I say this? Don't wear, wear Saul's armor. What hasn't worked with others, don't try to use it yourself. I work in the city of San Francisco. I oversee a church there. It's the fastest growing church, in, a charismatic church in San Francisco. And there have been all these church plants. People come with half a million dollars, a million dollars, and 90% of them fail. The guy I'm working with, he had help for eight months, just his personal salary, nothing else. And now he's prosperous, because hear me, he didn't put on Saul's armor. And the rest of these people, they mean well, but it's not going to work. And it didn't work for Saul. You know, David was saying so many words, it hadn't worked for you. You're not, you should be the one facing Goliath. I'm not going to put on what doesn't work. So hear me. Uh, an old man told me this once when I was young in ministry. I was in my 20s. I thought I was mature. God help me. But I, but I went to him, and his, his name was Dave. He had a move of God uh, in the Adirondacks and central and northern New York, first time in 150 years. So he's a real father. So he was, I, I was talking to him, I needed some answers, and he looked at me, he said, well, Bill, I don't know a lot of things that work, but I know a lot of things that don't. Well, I've chewed on that one a lot. The process of elimination, may I say, Saul's armor won't work. It will not work. It will not work. It will not work. Man's methodologies will not work. God wants to move in Vermont, but Saul's armor is not going to work here. Trust me on that one, sweetie. You, you, you don't want to go that way because you're in a spiritual battle and you've got to move in how God has appointed you and anointed you to go. So 
Now it says here in, in verse 40, first David put them off, and then it says, he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones out of the brook, put him in his shepherd's bag, on and on, a sling was in his hand. David used what he was used to using. And it still didn't seem very wise because notice, the Philistine came, drew near to David, and a man that bare a shield, bare a shield went before him. And when the Philistines looked on him, he saw David and, and, and he despised him because he was a youth and, and, and a fair countenance. And Philistine said, am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? And Philistine, the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistines said to David, Come here, and I'll give your flesh into the fowls of the air and the beasts of the fields. And David said, You come against me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts and the, the army of Israel whom you've defied. And this day I'll, I'll deliver, uh, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I'll smite you and take your head off from you. Now that's pretty ruthless. What the enemy was intending to do to David, David said it's going to reverse and happen to you. But imagine this, the weakness. This guy, if you bear this out, he was nine foot six. The guy who carried his shield, it took a, a, one guy just to carry a shield. It was that big. This was a guy that an army wouldn't fight. That was a weak position to be in. That was a weak position to be in. But when Christianity started... Jesus had 12, one disqualified themselves, 70 trained, then they crucified him. Imagine being around during the crucifixion and you see the one you thought that was the Messiah die. That was a weak place to be. But what looked like weakness dashed the cross was actually victory in the making. And three days later, God showed who had the power. But the cross looked weak. It only looked that way to the natural man. And this looked weak here. This looked very weak here. In the early church, when they started after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and then ascension, they just a handful of people, or some hundreds of people, but, but say 500 at the most, but, but they had all of the Roman Empire, they had all the Jewish religious system, all against them. That didn't look like a platform for success. In the flesh, they were weak, but the power of the Holy Spirit came to their weakness and made them strong. And this is the principle of from weakness to strength. We're to go from strength to strength, but before we can get to strength, there's weakness to bring us into strength. Because I'll tell you why. David couldn't stand here and do it by himself. David had to stand here and do it by the anointing. David had to stand there and do it by the name of the Lord. David had to stand there and he was speaking prophetically. And it's easy to speak prophetically when the giant is down. It's another thing to speak prophetically when the giant is standing right before you. And everybody's behind you ready to run because you're not going to make it. See, it didn't look right. It didn't smell right. It didn't figure out everything that could have gone wrong was going wrong. And you had a king that was a misfit because he had violated his office. Here comes this little kid. Total weakness. But God would make strong. And you know, I want to say this. I didn't establish this principle, but it's not just here. It's through the Word of God. Why did God chose an Iraqi, that's what Abraham was, Ur of Chaldees, 
Why did God choose him to go out into the desert? That wasn't an oasis either, by the way. And then wait until he's an old man with a wife that was way beyond years to give him a son because out of weakness we're made strong. That principle is in the father of them that believe. And so if you feel you're qualified and whether God did it or not or would do it or not, you're not in a place where his strength's going to be made manifest. I was um, with some mega church pastors in Oakland, California, and they were some, with some very big-name people, and they said this, we could build these churches with or without Jesus. I would run. I'd be afraid lightning would come through the roof. But there's people that have got strong in their techniques and their methodologies and their finance May I say that's a frightening place to be because giants will not fall. I said giants will not fall. Giants only fall before those that are weak that God makes supernaturally strong. And we've got giants that have to fall in North America. They've got to fall and too much of the church doesn't even recognize their giants. But God is going to have a Davidic people that, that appear out of nowhere. Here he was on the, on the hillsides of Palestine, no shower, uh, no, no, no mama's meals three times a day. I mean, it was not a, a comfortable place. People that come out of uncomfortable living are all of a sudden going to show up because their heart's been focused on God and God's going to anoint them and giants will fall. Out of weakness, they will be made strong. So David, the scripture says, ran at this guy in verse 49. Uh, it's, it says, it came to pass when the Philistines rose and came and near to meet David, that David hastened and ran towards, uh, towards the army and met the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone and slang it and hit the guy right in the forehead. And, he, and it sunk into his forehead and he fell on the face of the earth. And David prevailed over him with the sling, with a stone. He smote the Philistine, slew him. There wasn't any sword in his hand. And David ran, stood upon the Philistine, took his sword and, and slew him and cut off his head. Now imagine this. What, that sword was meant to destroy David, but David took it and decapitated the enemy. And the thing Satan has tried to use to destroy you, take it out of his hands and destroy him. It could have been fear. It could have been your upbringing. It could have been some demonic habit. See, lay down your hurts. Lay down your uncleanness. Pick up the holiness of God. Pick up the grace of God and use what hell has tried to destroy you with to destroy the kingdom of darkness. David prophesied and, and by the anointing brought this giant down. And hear me, everything of human strength could not have won this battle. It was an impossibility. But in his weakness, he had the anointing. In his weakness, he spoke the word of the Lord. In his weakness, he used what he was familiar with. I said he used what he was familiar with and the enemy fell. Like I have a friend, he was first trained in a rice uh, production in university and he became a wealthy pig farmer in America he said my life doesn't make any sense but he was wealthy and then he surrendered to the call of God and the Lord called him to Cambodia where they live by rice and their favorite food is pig see how God the familiar and God would use that to be a major part of their outreach to change a nation you never know when God's going to take what's just part of you and make it a part of his awesome plan. Out of weakness, made strong. Amen? Out of weakness, we're made strong. Because hear me, God can take the trash of your past,
put it through the cross because he's the great recycler, and turn it into treasures. Hear me. Only God can take the trash, put it through the cross, and turn it into treasures. For example, before I knew the Lord, I was in two mental hospitals and all type of sexual abominations and all type of a lot of other stuff. But I carry a sovereign anointing when people are under sexual bondage without any effort, they get set free because the sword of Goliath is now in my hand. The question is, is the sword of Goliath in your hand or is it still coming at you today? Weak, made strong. Weak, surely he was going to lose. You're but a youth. But all of a sudden, this young kid, because he was anointed, he took down what a whole army couldn't take down and then the army got courage because what was on David got on them. Religious spirits want you to sit on your bottoms in church and never do anything for God. I don't live like that. I'm in the front lines in Iraq, Afghanistan, Iran, because I believe the giant of Islam is going to come down. Like I believe the giant of communism was going to come down. And we've been blessed to see that come down in Cambodia and Russia and Romania and Hungary and Albania and in Tajikistan. People, you just got to determine whether your giants are going to paralyze you, slay you, or you're going to reverse all that, paralyze them and destroy them. Because you're up against giants, I'm up against giants, and we don't have to be intimidated because God says out of your weakness, when you yield yourself to the anointing and you get the word of the Lord, out of your weakness, you're going to be made strong. 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 Why do you think God told Israel when Moses died, now go into the promised land? But a whole generation had just failed because they lived in their own strength. They said, we're not able to go in. Of course they weren't. They needed God. But they stayed weak in unbelief. They stayed weak in unbelief. And weakness is not meant to be where you stand. It's where you start. It's not meant to be your tombstone. It's meant to be your stepping stone. And so here was a generation, the next, that God said, go in. And Moses had died, the greatest prophet that had ever lived. And he had failed because of people's unbelief and a reaction in himself to bring people into their inheritance. Imagine Joshua, the, ki the kid who served Moses for 40 years now. Imagine him in his older days having to lead an army that were uh, not trained in to do what Moses had failed. That was weak. And there were seven mightier nations than them, the book of Psalms lets us know. Here's the weakness that we'll face when God says, there's your inheritance. Be it a city, be it a state, be it a nation, be it anointings, be it giftings, be it business. We will run into weakness when God says, that's your inheritance. And when God says, that family member's called to preach the gospel, they're living for the devil 100%. That's weakness in your face when you see their rebellion, but you can stand back. I got the promises of God. It's like a bungee cord. Jump, bud, but you're going to bounce back. Hallelujah. We get to see this because up in Dartmouth, I heard reports that they send these big guys up from New York City when they're looking, first of all, when they go in there for future leaders to come down there, and they make them this promise. Give us five years of your life, and we'll make you multimillionaires. They own them, like down in Manhattan and other places. But they don't, they don't look for somebody out on the street. You know, they can't read or write. They look for the most qualified. But here's, here's the different kingdom. God looks not just the bottom of the barrel, but sometimes has to lift the bottom of the barrel, the barrel to find people he's calling. The Davidic principle, David wasn't even there. Samuel almost anointed the wrong people. But God saw in that kid's natural weakness 
a man who would step out of that into the strength which is in God alone. And God alone. We want to see here one last scripture today. Second Corinthians. Chapter 12. Paul said, I came in weakness, but the demonstration of the Spirit of God came. That your faith wouldn't be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And he was speaking in a culture where the Greeks idolized intellectualism and wisdom. The very womb of humanism and homosexuality started in Greece and destroyed Rome. But here was Paul saying, I came in weakness. But notice this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I like First and Second Corinthians. It gives me hope for the church, any church. Everything that could have been done against God's purposes, will, character, integrity happened in Corinth. They had false doctrine, division, getting drunk at the communion service, incest in the church, false doctrine. I mean, you name is going on. But Paul didn't shut it down. He turned it around. Notice what he says in 2 Corinthians 12. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I can't tell or out of the body, I can't tell God knows. He's caught up to the third heaven. On and on. So he starts off with this. And notice this. He was told words he couldn't utter, verse 4. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I'll not glory, but in my infirmities or limitations. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I will forbear, lest any man would think of me above that which he sees of me or hears of me, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations. There, there came against me a thorn in the flesh. Now hear me. If you, if you compare Scripture with Scripture, people try to say something physically was wrong with Paul. But no, in the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy, it talks about the inhabitants of the land being thorns. And the, the inhabitants of the land typified demonic power. So Paul said, uh, uh, notice this, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. Paul, because the realm he entered into, he didn't have little demons come at him, but high-level satanic powers to rightly divide the word of God. To buffet me, lest I should have been exalted above measure. And I, I, this thing, I, I sought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And this is what he said, verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect and weak. I want to tell you, whatever I face, what you face, God's grace is sufficient for His strength is completed, made real in our weakness. In our weakness. In our weakness. Most gladly, therefore, while I glory in my infirmities, that's not sickness, that's limitations, that the power of Christ may rest on me. I'll take pleasure, infirmity, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake, not because I've sown bad seed. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. So here was a guy that changed the world forever, who laid a foundation that communism, Islam, Nazism, Genghis Khan, you go down the line, uh, has not nor will be able to destroy. He laid such a foundation in, in uh, modern-day uh, modern-day parts of the Middle East and, and, and into Europe. But Paul laid such a foundation that it remains. But that man said, I did it in weakness. 
Spurgeon has a, has a great statement. He said, God doesn't need any of your strengths. Great English preacher Spurgeon. He has more strength than any of us. But he needs your weaknesses because he doesn't have any of those. And when you give it to him, he turns it into strength in his name and power for his glory. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. What was Paul saying? He said, look, when I'm at a place I can't, God's in a place he will. When I'm in a place doors are shut, God will send an angel and open the prison doors. When I'm in a place there's no food, God will cause manna to rain down. When I'm in a place everyone else has failed, God will show it's him who gives success, period, Joshua. You meditate on the word, and giants the last generation couldn't win against, you will. So we can't look back. Sometimes we can't look around. We've got to look up, because God says, in your weakness, my power is going to be made known. Greatest empire that was on the earth at that time, the Egyptians, God sent a man who was wanted for murder, it's not good, to go back into that country where he'd murdered 40 years before. They didn't have a statute of limitations. And go against Pharaoh and tell him to release God's people. And hear me, he didn't have a bodyguard. All he had was the word of the Lord. All he had was the power of God on him. That was enough. But in the natural, it looks stupid because Moses was coming in weakness Yet in the power of God's Spirit, and very clearly can be shown in the Exodus story, because Moses depended on God's power and not his own, because when he acted in human strength, he was exiled for 40 years. But when he learned he couldn't do it in himself, could only do it in God, that's where strength comes. And that's what Paul is teaching us here, and David's example is teaching What we do for God can't be done in our own strength. What we do for God can only be done in his strength. And when we see we can't but God can and link ourselves to that by simple faith and aggressive obedience, things happen we can never make happen for the glory of God. Are you glad out of weakness you can be made strong? You can follow this truth throughout church history where God would raise up unknown people, be it a, an Augustine monk that would nail 95 theses to a door in a German cathedral and church, and church history would change forever. Or, 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 a, or a holy club in Oxford where people get a revelation of the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, and they'd take that and stop revolution from coming into England, and they would spread their methods, the Methodists, all throughout England and North America, just a group of students that depended in their weakness on the power of God. These are unlearned and ignorant men, Acts 4, but they took knowledge of them that they'd been with Jesus. Out of weakness... They were made strong. May the Lord let us learn this. May the Lord keep us learning this. But only out of weakness we're going to be made strong. If we're trusting in our armor, if we're trusting in our strength, if we're trusting in what we can do, we'll really end up in weakness and stay there. Because only by the Spirit can God's enemies be brought down. But I'm glad giants are meant to be slain and the church is meant to go into their inheritance. The giants of witchcraft, New Age, humanism, Islam, perversion. You go down the line, they're meant to fall, dear people. But God needs people that are going to depend upon the anointing, move in prophetic revelation, fearless against the enemy. And God will anoint 
just what you know how to do to make a major difference for the glory of God. You see, for 10 years, God sent me all over the world. He anointed something that I liked. I was throwing out so many schools, I'm not well educated. But I read, so that was my salvation. Read, read, read. And one day in church, the Lord's making it clear, go to the nations. I said, well, that's good, but I don't have enough money hardly to take care of my three kids here and wife. And all of a sudden, I heard the word old books. Old books. I'm over in uh, it was in Massachusetts, Berkshires, and a woman came to me. There's this camp that's fallen down. The woman has antiques there. I'm going to go check it out. You want to see what she's got? I said, sure. Myself and the pastor went with her. It was full of old books. And God would take what was natural for me. I got those old books, sold them to a used book dealer, prayed for his connections. God connected me to the top rare book dealers in New York City. And for 10 years, they sent me all over the world. My wife never had to work when we had kids because, hear me, your shepherd's bag is full of things God can use to slay giants. We need ears to hear the word of the Lord. So... Hear me, I didn't have the training, I didn't have anything in my hands. No Saul's armor, but I had the word of the Lord. And that's where out of your weakness you're made strong because we saw the supernatural provision just like Elijah in famine. He didn't have provision, but he had the word of the Lord and God out of his weakness made him strong. See, that example is followed through the whole word of God. May we hear what the Spirit is telling us today because God wants this church out of your weakness to be made strong out of your limitations to know the unlimited power of God. Out of what you can't do, God comes through and does exceedingly, abundantly above what you could ask or think. Out of weakness, made strong, because His grace is sufficient for you, for His power is made known in your weakness. Could we stand in His presence, please? You know, our little minds cannot fathom what God wants to do. As the Bible says, man after wisdom couldn't find God. The wisdom of man is foolishness with God, 1 Corinthians. But when it's simple faith, all of a sudden we tap into the infinite plan and blessings of God. And you see yourself, I'm weak physically, mentally, spiritually. Yield yourself to God because that's where miracles and strength take over. When God chose, chose to do something in the walled city of, of Hong Kong, it's tore down now, but it was just so full of crime and danger. He didn't send an apostle. He didn't send a proven ministry. He sent a 22-year-old unmarried woman from, from England, Liverpool, England. She got on a boat, went there, and God started to move among the drug addicts. Thousands of them turned to Christ. And one of the mafia guys told her this, if you were a man, we would have beat you up, but you're just a woman. There's no... No purpose in that. In other words, and she mocked him to his face, a triad leader like the high mafia over there. Because hear me, out of her weakness, she was made strong. And I don't like limitations or weaknesses in my life, but I've learned what to do with them. Throw them upon the grace of God. Because out of weakness, you're meant to be made strong and that your giants are not meant to conquer you. You're meant to conquer your giants. But don't leave giants uncontested, be it health, weight, Bitterness, uncleanness, above all unbelief, because the tragedy of the first generation that left Egypt, they wouldn't face the giants, and they wouldn't believe God. So we've got, I've got challenges, and you've got challenges to believe God, but he wants to, out of weakness, make all of us strong.
Paul said, I came in weakness, but he didn't straight stay in weakness. He said, I stepped out of this weakness into the power of God, into the presence of God, into the supernatural of God. So, Father, today we call upon heaven to reveal the strength of Almighty God. We confess, Lord, outside of you, you we're weak, but we don't camp there. We want to camp in your promises. We want to camp in your purposes. We want to camp into your anointing. When the miracle, the, the, the impossibilities are meant to be impossibilities. And God, the giants we're facing that want to kill, steal, and destroy our life, we decree they're not taking us out, we're taking them down. We decree your grace is sufficient because in our weakness, your power is going to be made known. Your power is going to be made known. I said your power is going to be made known. We call upon the Most High God to make His power known here today. I end with this testimony. There's a man who's a spiritual father to me, but his father left him and six siblings during the Great Depression, and they would have starved, but his mother was a woman of faith. And the state of Pennsylvania came and wanted to take the kids away because she had no job and she prayed in food every day. She ended up in court. Here's the social worker and the other government people with a smirk on their face. And the judge said to her, do you have anything to say? Because all these charges are against you. They want your children. She stood up. The power of God came on her and she started to preach. Everybody started to weep in the courtroom. She heard someone weeping behind her. It's the judge. And he said this to Mary Crandall said, I'd be glad to have this woman as my mother. He said, your charges are bogus and false. Get out of here. And she walked with a smile on her face right past those devils. Because that was a woman in her weakness of abandonment and divorce and abuse. She never got bitter. She never got hateful. She, she raised those kids. Three of them had a worldwide ministry. One was a spiritual father to me. I want to tell you, you can allow your weaknesses to drown you. Or you can make them a stepping stone to be in waters that you can swim in. It's, it's our choice. You, you can allow things to devour you or you can devour them. It's our choice. And he, do you hear me, dear ones? If the great people of, first, uh, of Hebrews 11 would experience God's miraculous intervention, lions shut up, promises obtained, being put on the throne when they were not qualified, hear me, if, if, that was, if that happened then, great things can happen now. May we understand weakness. And may it be yielded to God so out of weakness God's power will be released in and through us. Father, now, individually, corporately, regionally, in this state, in this nation, turn our weakness into your strength. Turn our aimlessness into your vision. Turn our backwardness into your progress. Turn our breakdowns into your breakthroughs. Turn our sicknesses into your miracles. Turn our dysfunctions into your new beginnings and enablings and the breaking of generational patterns and words and financial limitations and uh, mental limitations and above all spiritual limitations. God, we claim your grace that comes to people that yield these things to God and let God take over. So we want a God takeover in our life and in our families and in our ministries and in this region. Let there be a God takeover. And we decree to the spiritual giants, you will fall before King Jesus. You will fall before King Jesus. Let the demonstration of the Spirit and power truly be released in this ministry, Lord. And in our lives. And in your corporate body in North America. 
Lord, there's menacing giants that have all type of threats, but we decree they will fall. As Jesus arose, and our strength is in him and his ability. By faith we step into it. God comes through. When you can't, he can. God comes through. When man fails, he doesn't. God comes through when there's no way but his way. In our weakness, his strength is made known. on the Holy Spirit to bear witness to this truth that when the voice of the enemy tells us we're not able and the voice of carnal people tell us we're not able we decree your past faithfulness that you've taken care of our bears and lions and these giants will go too we'll not run away from them we'll run to them and we'll take their weapons from them and use them against them come Lord Jesus it's no coincidence many people with miracle ministries have had to go through the valley of sickness themselves. But out of weakness, God's power was made known. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. As we're in the presence of God today, some of you have got this. Some of you don't have a clue. You need to wake up and hear what God's saying because if you live in your weaknesses, there's no promises, there's no power, there's no change. But if you say, my weaknesses today are going to be a springboard into God's promises, to God's presence, God's faithfulness, and hear me, God's victory. Sometimes you'll be like Moses. You'll need people upholding your hands. That's where the body of Christ strengthens one another in times of weakness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. When I first went to Albania, the man in charge sent me an email. He said, the top ministries in the world have come here and failed. I just threw myself on God's grace, and God marvelously came through. And he was shocked how God showed up because, hear me, others may fall and fail. That doesn't mean you're the next. Out of weakness, his strength will be made known. His grace, his promise, his anointing, his presence, his word is your strength. And when weakness surrounds you, it's good news because you throw yourself on God and he does supernaturally what you can't. Paul was telling that to the Corinthians. And they finally got it in chapter in Second Corinthians. And Paul would end his writings by saying, God's grace is sufficient for you, for in your weakness. Ours none. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our qualifier and keeper, redeemer, source of our wisdom. That you've chosen the weak. Thank you, Lord. Let's give God praise. The Most High God. The Most High God. The Most High God. The Most High God.
understand some of these spiritual dynamics. See how bad this is, positive way. God spoke to me, said I'm going to pour out my spirit in San Francisco when he healed me, South San Francisco. He said I'm going to pour out my spirit on the gay community. I'm going to pour out my spirit on the New Agers, and there's going to be an unprecedented move of God there. I called an evangelist who's worked there 40 years. From, I was in Russia. I called him what the Lord told me. He said, I've just preached the same thing tonight. And he, but he said, I've been saying that for 40 years. It's amazing how God will go to people that are weak, worse, wicked, and do a new thing. Because that's God's principle of 1 Corinthians. He goes to the weak and the despised and the things that are not. Thank God for his mercy. How many glad for his mercy today? How many glad for His mercy today? How many glad for His mercy today? That's why Samuel said, Saul, when God chose you and you were little in your own eyes, that's when you had the anointing. Now you've got a big head and a small heart and you've lost the anointing. Stay little in your own eyes, but know how big God is for you. And His anointing can come through you. God of the Bible come out of the Bible in your life. Out of weakness, His powers made known. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for breakthrough. Are you glad He's chosen the weak? Are you glad He's chosen the weak? Are you glad He's chosen the weak? See, Israel were, were slaves, but God chose them, the weak. But they couldn't get out of that weakness. and They, had, they stayed paralyzed and re, re, rather than realize their strength was in covenant with God and in the promises of God. May the Lord seal us yeah. into His will and purposes like never before. And may the Lord reveal to us in our weakness His powers made known. I was once having a mental breakdown because I'd worked 50 hours nights, traveled 1,000 miles in the ministry the same week. I was on the way there shaking. I knew I was having a breakdown because I'd experienced that before I knew the Lord. And this scripture came to me. My grace is sufficient for you for my powers made known in weakness. I kept repeating it. By the time I got there, I was so filled with God's spirit. It was like I was on a vacation because, hear me, in our weaknesses, when yielded to the Holy Spirit, His power appears. We welcome you here today to appear in your power, Lord. We yield our weaknesses to you, Lord. We yield them to you because we want resurrection. And we want the demonstration of the Spirit and power. Yield your enemies to God who weaken you. And watch God reverse the curse. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We're going to be surprised the people God's going to raise up to take down the giants. We're going to be surprised, just like Israel was surprised. May the Holy Spirit encourage you with this tremendous revelation from the Word of God. I think the reason I haven't heard it preached much is because people don't want to live it. It's contrary to natural thinking chosen the weak. This didn't come to me because I listened to somebody preach it. This came to me by revelation. I've had to, been, I've had to walk it out a little more too. 
Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let's pray his, his victories in the camp today. We give you praise, Lord God. We honor you here today for the encouragement of the Spirit of God, the encouragement of the Spirit of God, the encouragement of the Spirit of God, the breakthrough of the Spirit of God. I take dominion in the name of Jesus. We call upon your anointing, Lord, to lift discouragement and lift despondency and let the principalities bow before King Jesus. Let the name above every name rule and reign over our spiritual enemies today. Almighty God! You know, I've known idiots before say, I'm not emotional, sit there like a tomb in the church. And go home and yell at their wife or husband. Oh, it's not the question of emotion, they're bound. And God doesn't want us bound in our emotions, but God wants them used biblically. Father, we want total freedom. We don't want to let our weaknesses tie us up. We want them to tie up the enemy. So, Lord, like Paul showed up and he said, I came to you in weakness. We acknowledge, Lord, we don't come with, a, with our own ability, strength, or know-how for what we're facing in this hour. We depend upon the word of the Lord and the anointing of the Lord, the presence of God, true prayer that lays a hold of God's presence. We decree out of weakness we will be made strong. We decree in this church, out of weakness you will be made strong. Out of weakness you will be made strong. Weakness of finance, weakness of numbers, weakness of, of reputation. You will be made strong. Let encouragement just settle over every one of God's people. breakthrough over every one of your people. Out of weakness, they're going to be made strong. You anoint those that have secret lives with you. It is that personal, private devotion after you that you anoint, Lord. of the enemy backfire in this state like they did with Pharaoh like they did in the days of Elijah like they did with David and the giant like they did with Paul facing the pagan world Father we claim a demonstration of your strength a demonstration of your strength a demonstration of, a demonstration of your strength in this city in this re region Lord in this state God bring down the Goliaths the Montpelier Lord bring them down Lord we speak to you giants, you will fall before the anointed one, the Lord Jesus. No, we're not able, Lord, but you are, and we tap into your ability. Listen to the voice of the false prophet. 
encouraging your people today. May you anoint us to prophesy our giants down. May you anoint us, Lord, to step into the demonstration of your Spirit's power. May you anoint us out of our weakness to be made strong. May we understand when we're facing things that there's no natural way. The odds are stacked against us. If if God be for us, who can be against us? Thank you, Lord. The greater one dwells in all of us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.